Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today's guest is a longtime member of the GeoMob London community. Uh, he spoke at GeoMob back in 2015. Um, he has been deeply involved in OpenStreetMap since the very, very early days. And in fact, now he is the um, first, and I believe only, full-time employee of the OpenStreetMap Foundation. My guest is Grant Slater. Grant, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. It's, it's an honor to be invited. Well, I think uh, I, your work, what you do, is, is uh, of great interest to everyone who's listening. So um, why don't we dive right in? Tell us exactly what is it that you do at the OpenStreetMap Foundation? Okay. Uh, so I'm part of the operations team. Uh, we basically look after the infrastructure behind the project and make sure all the lovely services that people use up and running, responsive, fast, uh, are scaling to the demand and will continue to be available as the project grows day by day. So give us, give us some numbers on that. Give us a sense of scale because I, I think it's um, people may not grasp how awesome this is that you as the sole full-time employee are kind of managing this. Yeah, so so the the total number of signed-up people for OpenStreetMap is just over 9 million uh, mappers now, uh, which is a really awesome headline number. But then we have some services that are really quite difficult to maintain just because of the poor, pure volume of people accessing them. So, for example, the tile.openstreetmap.org service, which is the rendered map that people can put on websites and, and use in applications and stuff. That that serves over 40,000 requests per second, uh, which is around 1.2 terabytes of data an hour. So that that's pretty tough to do. And we do that, you know, without charging people and anyone on the web can straight away use us without any registration. So yeah, it's used quite a bit. Well, congratulations. And then I imagine that's that's 24-7, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, it's obviously used globally by uh, people all over. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it follows European times quite a bit. So we uh, we do have a lot of people from Asia using it and uh, uh, Australia, and we have servers in those regions catering to those people. But the traffic follows a, a somewhat... Uh, a bias to to Western Europe and the U.S. Um, but give us um, what so obviously I was being a bit facetious saying that you're doing all this alone. Uh, obviously you're you're only one member of of the what's known as the operations working group. So give us give us some description of kind of who that is, what that is, how does this work? Yeah, yeah certainly. So. Uh, we are a group of it it varies the numbers vary but there's there's normally three of us which are the main people involved so uh it's a guy called tom hughes who's also part of the uh the website's code maintainers and then there's uh another guy called paul norman who helps us with uh planning and you know ordering hardware if we need it and and that and then we have a whole lot of people that are involved with individual software projects or come in to help us with specific things or or generally support us so that number varies a bit but we i would say five or six people at at most but it, it's the three of us so myself tom and paul who have ssh access to 
uh, most of the servers and maintain you know, maintain the running infrastructure behind the project. Uh, how how many servers are there, and where are these servers? So we have in total fifty five servers, um, and we have three primary uh, hosting points or data centers that we have them in. So we have. Uh, the main, if you access the main website at the moment, uh, www.openstreetmap.org, uh, you're accessing a collection of servers in the Netherlands. We have them in a data center there in Amsterdam. Then we have a backup site where we fully replicate everything across, and we can uh, we can fail over in a disaster scenario, and that's in Dublin, in Ireland. And then we have. Uh, when the project started, we were, we received very generous uh, hosting from two universities uh, in the UK. We're down to one at the moment, and uh, uh, we have UCL that kindly sponsors some hosting for us, and we have a, a rack of servers in, in Slough, uh, just outside London. Um, okay, so a lot of questions are. So first of all, why is the team so small? And, and we should clarify. So while you are now working full time on this, for many many years you were a volunteer, and I believe the others are are just fully volunteers. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah. So I I was a volunteer for fifteen years, uh, and the others have. Uh, Tom, for example, started exactly the same time as me, or round about the same time as me. Uh, why are we so small? <laughs> it's it's a difficult one. We we really do need to grow, and I'm and one of my tasks that I want to do now that I'm I'm full time employee is is desperately try grow the team. Uh, it's uh, to look after everything is quite burdensome. So I think uh, it's a challenging task. Some of the stuff we run is fairly technical, and uh, we've struggled with people that are very eager to help us, but then. Because some of the tech that we're using is not the cool latest stuff, so we don't use uh, Kubernetes or uh, the cloud services that we use are fairly limited. Uh, some sometimes people struggle to adapt to some of the tech that we're using. Uh, that that is one of the things I'm changing though, and and updating some of the tech and paying down some of our tech debt. But it's challenging to to start out with us and and get involved, but. We do want people, and we're trying to fork out spaces for people to get more involved. So uh, uh, a lady called Sarah Hoffman looks after the Nominatum Geocoder service, and she does an absolutely excellent job of looking after that, and she's the maintainer, and she gets involved with some of the server operations for that. And and she was a guest here on the podcast, uh, I think, almost two years ago now. So um, she has been on the podcast. Yes, she does great work. Yeah, so. I would recommend listening to her because she's she's absolutely awesome when she talks. Uh, so yeah, we 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 do need more people, and uh, to be blunt, we're tech nerds, and uh, we struggle to market ourselves in the right way to bring bring in new people, and the tech barrier is fairly high, uh, so it's somewhat threatening to people potentially, and finding. Sp- Carving off bits of the tech has been a struggle for us in the past, but it's getting better. So if people are interested, and they they may be purely technical people, they may be people that are more uh, planning-focused or or, uh, long-term goals, we'd love these people to, to get involved. Well, that that would be my next question, is how how can people get involved? What's the best way for someone 
you know, presumably who this would be as a obviously as a volunteer, so a part time function. How would they get involved? What kind of skills are you looking for? How can they best contribute? So, so every two weeks we we have a video call online, and uh, we we work out a basic agenda to that that uh, things that we plan. Uh, we also publish documents of what we're planning, and we have open tickets on GitHub where we do, you know, the thought work of what what's coming next and what tasks we need to do. So, the easiest way is possibly for someone to join one of these uh, fortnightly or every two weeks calls that we have, and uh, just listen in and see if there's bits that they'd like to get involved with or. Uh, go to hit github forward slash openstreetmap operations and see what issues we've got listed there, which is our, our thought pattern of things coming up and see if there's potentially something that interests them. Or or join these weekly uh, fortnightly calls and see, you know, is is there some planning that you'd like to get involved with or or helping our schedule and task some of these things that are uh, more project manager uh, type, type tasks. Can you... Can you give us an example of some of the projects that you're currently working on? Like, what what are they? Give give us a taste of it. So one of the things is uh, what I didn't mention earlier with the infrastructure is we're starting to use cloud services more, and uh, we have used cloud services uh, previously, but kind of in a naive way because of the amount of time that we could invest and uh, you know the actual operations time for running some of these things. So so we. We are improving some of the things that we, we're doing there. And we recently got accepted onto the AWS Open Data uh, support program. And we're going to be publishing more of our data through AWS in parallel to the ways we, we publish our uh, weekly export data. So we're going to start doing that. And that requires planning of you know what services are moving and uh, how we're going to do it technically. So, so that's one of the things. Uh, we currently halfway through a migration of the primary data center. We, we're moving it to uh, uh, Dublin, which is our, our failover site, and there's planning involved with that and buying hardware and resourcing and setting it up and uh, benchmarking and setting up backups and uh, <laughs> lots of uh, things involved with that. Uh, and that is part so that we can upgrade the... Amsterdam data center or the servers that we have in the data center and our network connectivity there. And that requires fairly uh, deep technical knowledge in uh, IP networking and BGP and routing and uh, the infrastructure that we've got there that we're upgrading. So there's there's broad, many things that we, we do all at once. And uh, those are the sorts of things we'd love help with and just to spread the load a bit. And uh, for my bias thing, I when I started, I wasn't as good at some of the things that I do, and being involved in OpenStreetMap and doing all these fun things with you know gigabits and terabits of data and it has allowed me to build my skills. So maybe someone at a more junior level they want to help on smaller things and build up their expertise over time as well. Get, get, take us back to that time when you got started. I mean, any any interesting anecdotes of how yeah, OpenStreetMap yeah, has grown yeah, over yeah. the years? And... So back in 2006, the project was struggling with scalability. Uh, the website used to be down quite frequently or overloaded. 
And I stupidly complained to Steve Coast, the, the founder of the project. And I said, oh, you need to upgrade your database like this and change the database tables like this and do something like that. And very quickly, he handed me the keys, uh, quite literally uh, handed me keys along with Tom, uh, who, who had also been working on fixing some of the code. And I very quickly got pulled into looking after the service. The, there was a guy pre previous to me who used to look after most of the hardware and the infrastructure for the project. And he was, he had reached the point where he was no longer comfortable running what he was and his life had pulled him in another direction. So, uh, I got a very short handover from him. And, uh, at that point it was left over desktop machines and, uh, not very server class hardware. And I slowly, you know, standardized us on the hardware that we use and improved some of the networking and put in backups and got a second data center and uh, built built out the infrastructure from there with the team. So uh, <laughs> it was a trial by fire. If I can ask that, how, I mean, one thing that was always amazing is that you guys were all doing this as volunteers, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, and frankly, the time commitment was not small. Uh, uh, so... How did you manage that? How did uh... Yeah, uh, it was a struggle. So for these 15 years that I was a volunteer, I uh, I sometimes had challenging conflicts where, you know, my day job uh, was taking priority and I had to find the time uh, to do this. Thank thankfully I'm a night owl and uh, uh, I I work quite well in the evenings, uh, but it it was challenging and then over the last two years, I became a father and uh, I've got a beautiful wife and uh, the time became even more constrained. So, so that's why the foundation, thankfully, could offer offer me this role as a full-time role. And it's me, meant I could stay involved with the project instead of, you know, scaling down my, my investment in time. Uh, but yeah, 15 years, it's been challenging uh, how I've had to find the time and you know, occasionally visit infrastructure to fix things or, or take on I, I can remember, I don't know if it was a GeoMob or just an OSM pub meetup in London many years ago, and you showed up with, you know, with computers under your arms or something like that, that you were moving from, from UCL or something, you know, and everyone was like, oh my God, that's the actual computer. And yeah. It, it, so I've got cloud certifications and in, in defense, uh, you know, one of the things that we got get asked quite a bit is, you know, why don't we just run this all on cloud services? Uh, and I can say almost definitively, the project wouldn't be here if we were purely paying for commercial cloud services because the amount of data and what we do, the amount of traffic we do, we, we wouldn't be able to keep the project running. So while I'm fully behind adopt, adoption of cloud services uh, and they're absolutely fantastic for startups, we get hardware next uh, almost for free. Uh, we get bandwidth uh, almost for free. We get hosting almost for free. And all these things make, make physical infrastructure in some cases so, so much better for the project and allowing us to do things very cheaply or, or very cost effectively, should I say. Uh, and yeah, we, with this uh, hardware, I, I've been standardizing what we use. So it's it's all pretty much one vendor for most of the hardware. So it's relatively simple simple to run. Uh, 
we automate everything we do over those servers. We we keep the installation fairly fairly simple. We spread we spread uh, the services over physical hardware because the physical hardware is so cheap. We we almost dedicate a single machine to a single service, or spread a single service over multiple machines. We we try keep things as simple to manage as possible. Let's talk about some of the the challenges and difficulties. And I I, I know. You know, I, I follow the situation a bit for um, Nominatum and the geocoding stuff, and I, you know, th- there's endless abuse, right? Where people uh, e- either intentionally, you know, they just see, oh, this is free, and so let me let me, you know, use as much as I can, or just unintentional people, you know, write bad scripts that send, you know, tens of thousands of queries and things like this. So how much how much of that is how do you how do you see that how do you manage that how do you um... as I mentioned for example the tile service we run a completely open open policy so if some some developer has some you know they've just got latest data on on something and they want to display it on a map there's no sign up process to use OpenStreetMap map tiles they literally type in the URL into their uh, leaflet JS code and bang, they've got a map uh, under their map data, and and so we we have no restrictions on people using us except some purely technical stuff. So we we ask them, you know, what is the application, and uh, we require them to send certain request headers. So the long tail of users that we have using the tile service or the nominatum service, it's it's long. It's a long tail of people and. We have militaries and governments and COVID-19 responders and lots of people using it. And we we have to come up with a policy of, you know, what is acceptable usage and what isn't ex- acceptable usage. And we've been very lenient uh, in the past. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we've drawn some lines. You know, if you're not telling us, you know, effectively what the application is so that we could contact you if it becomes too much, then we do act, we, we say no to the request and we block the requests. And, and services like Nominatum, the geocoder, uh, we say you, your application can't send more than X requests per minute. And we have uh, code that monitors that and... If if you go above the the usage for an extended period of time, we we start blocking your requests, and that that's just to keep a level playing field for everyone. You know, it, it's so that we can keep running these services for the people that use them, and the people that are on the extreme end or or, or more commercial usage uh, sort of levels. We would like you to go to one of the awesome OpenStreetMap partner, people that use OpenStreetMap data. And I think, I think Ed, you, you run a data service that uses OpenStreetMap for geocoding. Yes, we, 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 use, uh, we do provide a geocoding service. And um, it's funny, though. You see, I mean, with, uh, particularly with the service for the whole world, the difference in cultural norms. You know, some people are just indignant when they can't abuse the service or use it for free or they say, well, I'm a student, yeah. so I have to be able to use it for free. You know, you're like, well, that's great, but if you're going to do a million requests, you know, a, a day, I don't, I don't care if you're a student, you know, you're going to need to pay for this somehow. But One of the things we've had with OpenStreetMap is, is uh, offline navigation apps. 
uh, we, we've had offline navigation apps that try to download every map tile of the world down to like Zoom level 20 and people, you know, set up their machine to download all these tiles and off it goes. We, we don't have those tiles down to Zoom, Zoom 19 all over the world. You know, you know, at least half the ocean, half the world is ocean. We don't have map tiles for that. We render on demand. So when they send their billion requests to, to download all this data, our servers really start to struggle. So we, we do rate limit some of these things, and we have to. And uh, these, these mass downloading applications, we actively, we've actively said to them, no, sorry, uh, this is not an ac acceptable usage of our servers. You know, there, there are some great vector vector-based apps that you know have have all the data download and their libraries that can do it for you now you know go and use one of those rather than abusing the 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 service that we run so so we talked a little bit about the the the, the users the consumers of open street map data let's talk a bit about the the mapping community um what would be i mean i know you i know you spoke at state of the map this summer um uh, unfortunately, I wasn't there, and I, I don't believe the video has been published yet, so I haven't seen the the talk. But what is your message, kind of, to the to the contributors? What it would, if you could, if you could convey a few, you know, what should mappers know about OSM apps? What is their um... so enjoy it, <laughs> like enjoy mapping. I'm an active mapper, and I map, you know, when I go on holiday, and I map around my area, and you know, I'm, I'm using some of these really nice new apps that are coming out for doing you know, mapping from your phone, like there's, there's an absolutely awesome one that's come out called Every Door and it's, uh, it's quite addictive, you know, adding, adding points of interest and fixing them and adding more. We, we also, we had Ilya on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. To talk about he, Every Door. He's amazing, uh, his app. But to, to mappers, I, I say enjoy it. You know, mapping should be fun. It should be enjoyable. You know, you should should get some value from you building this insanely valuable data set that data set that covers the entire world. We're a project that is not, you know, it's it's the social aspect of the project. It's it's people coming together to build this amazing data set, and we want to be the absolute best map data set of the world, where that is as current as possible, and it. We're the people that are building this, and it it should feel great because we are building something unique and uh, you know so usable. You know, I'm amazed every time I I see an OpenStreetMap map somewhere or, or OpenStreetMap data being used, and it, it's amazing. Like I was in a train on Lith in Lithuania a few weeks ago, and you know watching our position as the train moved across, and yeah, it was on. Uh, an OpenStreetMap base map, and I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome!" And it, it's great to see our map data being used. And get involved and map and enjoy yourself and update your area and discover the local things. Or if you're a fitness person, you know, add add the fitness things in your area. Or if you're in, in, into trains and uh, you know, add all the train data and you know what gauges uh, the railway line and. If you're into plants and you you're uh, a botanist and you want to know you know what what tree is this down your street or 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 what does your municipality you know plant you know map that data and you can visualize it and see all the amazing things so mappers you know whatever you're interested in there's a space in OpenStreetMap for you. That's fantastic, Kurt, to see that you're not uh, that after so being inactive in the project for so long you still obviously have such. 
uh, active enthusiasm for it. It's really cool, you know. Uh, that, and, and and a very reassuring message, you know, the, the, I, I hate to say it, but the stereotype of the, the grizzled sysadmin <laughs> who, uh, you know, says no uh, by default to everything. Uh, it's good to see that that's not the case. So what um, another question occurs to me, you know, we talked a bit about how people can get involved. But how can companies uh, best help OSM Ops or, or organizations? And, and frankly, that then raises another question. I mean, we have, we have huge companies that are um, members, corporate members of the foundation. You know, I'm thinking here of um, obviously people like Facebook or, or uh, you know, Google has, is a regular sponsor of State of the Map and stuff. Obviously, these companies have a lot of experience with um, huge volumes of traffic and stuff. Why can't we just work more with someone like that? Uh, I, I think uh, the involvement with these organizations is is growing over time. And, you know, my role is, is thanks to these companies. Uh, I don't think it's a secret, but my role is being funded by a few different organizations. I, I don't know the names of those organizations, but I know there are a number of organizations effectively sponsoring my role within the project. Oh, I hadn't realized. I thought it was just general OSMF funds from from the the individual members, but also the corporate members. I didn't I didn't realize it was specific. I think it's a, a number of corporate members that have uh, have come together to support the role and other roles within OpenStreetMap. So, some of the development work is now sponsored in OpenStreetMap. Some of the more grisly bits and some of the bits that were not as well maintained are being sponsored, or or even project work is is occasionally being sponsored. Yeah. To, to you move the project forward. So corporate members, uh, corporate members are, are contributing around twenty percent of the mapping across the world now, which is is fantastic. And uh, uh, supporting the local communities map their areas and and sponsoring things where sponsorship makes sense to to move things forward. So uh, yeah, it, it's great to see corp corporates getting involved with OpenStreetMap. The one, the one thing I, I want to be clear is I think OpenStreetMap should be the, 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 the commons. You know, we, we want to be the best data provider and these companies can benefit from, you know, actively improving OpenStreetMap. And they, they're realizing that and uh, are improving OpenStreetMap and, you know, delivering, you know, production-grade services using OpenStreetMap so OpenStreetMap data. So we're going hand in hand with corporates and and they, they bring things that are valuable to us and we bring things that are valuable to them. So it, it's, a, it's great. And I don't think as OpenStreetMap, we need to be afraid. We need to work with the corporates to, to improve the data that we have. You know, that is our product, this mapping data of the world. Well, I, I believe it or not, I agree with you as speaking as someone whose own company is a corporate member. That being said, we're not quite the size of a Facebook or Google just yet, but, but you know, we're getting there. Give, um, it, give it time. <laughs> what, um, so what does the future hold now for uh, OSM Ops? What, what are the big projects on the horizon that people can look forward to? Well, well, scaling the project is is one of the things that's constantly a challenge. So as more mappers join and uh, scaling the project to be both resilient and redundant and uh, to, to handle the volume of people and uh, slowly uh, 
introduce new services. So we, we have to be very careful about what we start offering because, you know, I, I'm one paid employee and we, we are built up with volunteers. So we very cautious about what we introduce uh, as new services. And uh, we don't want to uh, impeach on any any corporate's uh, unique selling points, but we do want to make this data available and as usable to the world as possible. So one of the things that we we are going to be launching as part of the operations team is vector tile data. So it, it's much discussed in, uh, in OpenStreetMap, but basically the tile service that I mentioned earlier is all about raster or rendered ping files effectively. And then you use some fancy JavaScript and that displays on, on a map. We are going to start publishing vector data so that if you want to show a map on, on your website, you use some fancy JavaScript again, but that JavaScript actually does the rendering of the map within your browser to display, uh, take the vectors and display them in your browser. And that changes the, the backend quite significantly. So we can, instead of uh, rendering on demand, we can pre-render all these vector tiles. Uh, and they, they're amazingly small. So uh, an entire... Uh, vector tile layer for the world is between 80 and 120 gigabytes, which is amazingly small. So it means if you run a website and you want a map, you download 120 gigabytes of data and you've got a map that you can serve to billions of people and billions of requests if your infrastructure can handle it, but you're no longer dependent on anyone else for displaying those maps. If you've got the JavaScript on your website and you've got these vector tiles, you can suddenly have a map in your language and your styles and what's appropriate to you. Uh, and yeah, so as part of the operations group, we've been planning, slowly planning how we're going to do vector tiles and we've been testing different bits of technology and we need to get people involved with, you know, the selection of data that appears in those vector tiles and how we cut it up and uh, the styling of those. We need people to come, come and help us come come up with a new styling system for uh, the vector tile data using uh, the styles that are presented through MapLibre, which is an awesome JavaScript project for doing rendering in the browser or, or rendering at the server, depending you know, what makes sense. But yeah, vector tiles is something we're starting to do as a new service. Uh, we're building out the infrastructure behind that at the moment. Very nice, very nice. Uh, well, um, yeah, I know that's been debated for quite a long time. Yeah. Your point is your point is a good one, though. Also, about it must be such a challenge because any new service that's offered kind of then needs to be maintained going forward, right? And so it's uh, you know it's better to go slow, I guess. Yeah, we we're very cautious about offering new services. We've we've made some mistakes in the past where we've we've done some things, and then the people that support the software lose interest and yet we're still running a service that is actively being used and you know serving requests and how do we keep that software up to date and uh, patched and secure and running in a performant way it, it that can be quite challenging uh, so the, one of the things that i'm migrating is moving us off one of the old forums to a new discourse uh, base forum discourse is a lovely forum software that runs many forums that you see online now, and we've called it community.osm.org. Uh, 
so yeah, that, that's one of the things I'm doing, Mo- moving people to a, a properly maintained service and migrating all their data. Uh, I care a lot about user-created data, so I, I'm doing that really slow and make sure that I get every single forum post and you know all the data that I can maintain in, in the migration I'm trying to do. Uh, same as I've done in the past for some of the blogs that OpenStreetMap have. You know, if you want to see uh, Steve Steve Coast's very first blog post announcing OpenStreetMap's website being live, it's it's on blog.osm.org. <laughs> you know what? I I actually did about a year ago go back and read the old posts, and, yeah. and it takes you back to those days because I, I I I can remember 2006, 2007, some of the the events and the pub meetups, and you see them being announced and things, and yeah. it's. And it's, and, uh, and some it's people, horrifying how long ago it was. Yeah, and, and some people thinking we were completely insane and you know we'd never get there and uh, who the hell's ever going to use this map data? And yeah, we've we've got at least half the world using our map data now. Uh, it it's fantastic. Very cool. Um, well, just uh, you know, as 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 I don't want to run too long here or take up too much of your time, so but. Um, your your point about the forum raises a good point. How how can people best uh, get in touch with you? What's the what's the best way if someone has questions for the OSM Ops team? Is it is it to hop on your call or can they ping you on email or what? Do, so, how do they do it? Yeah, people are welcome to email me. I'm uh, grant at osmfoundation.org, uh, and then we have the operations working groups website, which is operations.osmfoundation.org. Uh, they welcome to join, you know, contact us and ask to join one of these weekly weekly calls. Uh, dare I say we're also active on IRC, which is is not the coolest chat platform anymore, but it's the one we're quite comfortable with. So that's uh, uh, webchat.oftc.net, and it's the channel osmf-operations. Uh, yeah. The, any of those methods are a good way to get get a hold of me. Just say, hey, you're interested, you want to join, or just listen in. You're welcome to join any way you want. Fantastic. Uh, oh, and I'm also on uh, Slack on OSM US uh, Slack channel. So uh, you're welcome to chat to me there if you want, or ask how you can get involved there. Uh, Different. Okay. We've got lots of people, and they all like to use their their different uh, ways of communicating. Yes. Um, yeah. Not easy, but it's good. It's good to see that you're you're reachable by many means. So, um, uh, so um, two final points to make before we wrap up here. So, first of all, a big thank you to you and uh, and all of your colleagues who have over the years have worked on OSM operations because. Um, you know the project would not be where it is without all the effort that you guys have put in. Um, so very well done. Uh, and I guess the final point is, um, I always like to ask the people who have been coming to GeoMob for a long time if they have any uh, fond GeoMob memories and uh, any talks that stood out over the years or any um, you know any any uh, specific events that they they look back on fondly. Well, I I particularly enjoy the social chat afterwards. Uh, of it, it's fantastic chatting to to people and seeing all the broad projects involved with Geo that are happening around the world and some of the open source projects that people are working on or commercial projects. And uh, of course, I'm biased and I love seeing OpenStreetMap data being used and 
occasionally visiting some of these awesome buildings that you 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 get to host these in and uh... well it's it's uh, it's been i've actually it's an interesting trend because i can remember when the when we first started you know there would be osm talks but it would be kind of be like someone being like hey look at this you know cool new thing i did with osm and you know be a bit like, oh it's not quite perfect but look you can now do this or try this out or and now more and more it's almost every project has OSM in it and it's not even a point of discussion, right? It's just, oh yeah, here's the, here's the map or here's the data. Now, and now it's the thing they made on top of OSM. So um, in that regard, you know, the vision has become a reality of becoming the default, the base. I, I, th- I think uh, we need to be careful. We, we're not complete. And dare I say, we'll never be complete in OpenStreetMap. But... The world is changing all the time and, and people are, you know, adapting OpenStreetMap to the change in the world. And it's also the completeness of the data. So one of the the, the things that we struggle with is presenting a, a view of the world where, you know, OpenStreetMap looks brilliantly mapped everywhere. But the detail is something that we, we're trying to add. So one of the big pushes is points of interest at the moment that we're trying to do. And prior to that, it may, may have been address data that we, we were trying to add to OpenStreetMap. So... There's always space for people to get involved and, you know, express their hobbies and, you know, the botanist to add the types of trees that the municipality in their area is planting and all of that data. But it's the project never complete. But yes, uh, a lot more people are using our data and that that is fantastic to see. Quite right. Quite right. Like, uh, wise words. So um, on that positive note, I say uh, thanks to you once again for coming on the show, Grant. This has been great. Brilliant. And I encourage people to get in touch. Brilliant. Thank, thank you very much. Bye. Cool. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can also follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.